Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Magic and the Moon podcast. As always, I am your host, David. And this week, I want to talk about ancestral veneration, um, or the more broadly, the role and influence of spirits of ancestors in a spiritual practice. I think um, there's an increased awareness of the need for ancestral veneration or spirituality. I think part of that is because, you know, at the time of my recording this, it's October. So as we get closer to Halloween and Samhain and Dia de los Muertos and other times of the year where we honor the dead, I think it's just on people's minds more often. But I also think collectively, we're all being called into a deeper knowledge and appreciation and awareness of um, the dead. So we're going to talk about what ancestral veneration actually is. Um, the benefits and reasons for doing it, and I'm going to give some examples of how you can begin doing that, um, and how I uh, how I personally go about doing that, as well as addressing some common concerns about how to get started, where to begin if you don't know how, and concerns maybe about um, unpleasant people that maybe we have been related to. So. Um, Ancestral practices can and do vary a lot depending on the cultures and time and place that we're talking about. But for the purposes of this episode in particular, I am defining ancestral veneration as any spiritual or religious action that is meant to include the spirits of deceased people in a positive way. And I'm kind of defining it broadly on purpose to be inclusive of you know, different traditions and cultures and religious and spiritual affiliations and things like that. So why do we do that? Why do we venerate our ancestors? Well, for one thing, in my perspective, um, the traditions that I belong to emphasize this very heavily, um, particularly in the Brazilian traditions like Candomblé and Umbanda. This is a non-negotiable. Um, the ancestors are in set, like very integral part um, of what's done in the Brazilian tradition. Within um, my background of like Wicca um, and kind of coven-based Wicca in particular, the dead play a role as well. Um, but as you know, like there's oath-bound things with that, so that's not really something I'm going to like elaborate on much, but uh, I might share some things like a more vague way. But the reason why is because these ancestors, and I also want to clarify that ancestors does not mean only people that you were related to biologically. Ancestors are ancestors of blood, ancestors of choice, ancestors of spirit. Um, ancestors of blood are going to include your relatives, right? People that are literally related to you. Uh, parents, grandparents, great-grandparents, aunts and uncles, etc. Um, anyone in your family that has passed on. Um, if you were adopted, and I'm specifically mentioning this because I'm adopted, uh, I had people ask me like, oh, well, I'm adopted. So if I'm doing ancestor veneration, do I venerate my biological ancestors or my adopted ancestors? And my answer is both. Personally, I do both because I, I have good relationships with both my biological and adopted families. Um, you are welcome to engage with that and however it makes sense for you. If you've only ever been around your adopted family and you have no desire to you know incorporate the biological side you don't have to um if you don't feel spiritually connected to the ancestors of your adopted family that you didn't know 
then maybe you do want to reach out to the spirits of your biological ancestors, even if you didn't know them while they were alive. And either one of those options for okay, however you want to deal with that is fine. Um, ancestors of spirit are going to be people that have made an impact on you uh, spiritually. So if there was someone that you were influenced by a great deal, um, that could be included in that. Perhaps um, you belong to a particular tradition that venerates people that were significant in that tradition. Um, Gerald Gardner and Doreen Valiente being notable people in the Gardnerian tradition, for example, um, and not even just the Gardnerian tradition, but traditional Wicca as a whole. Um, Christianity, the saints, right? The saints are ancestral spirits. They went before, regardless of if you're related to them or not, you can petition them to assist you in your life. Most Catholics are not related to the saints they pray to, um, if there's even a way to know that. And, you know, there's some debate within particular saints of whether or not they were ever historical people. So that's an example of the, uh, an ancestor of spirit. Also, there's friendships, mentors, perhaps teachers that you knew while they were alive. I think that, uh, at least in the way I conceptualize this, would kind of be um, ancestors of choice or ancestors of blood, even though you're not related to them. They're people that you knew and connected with in person, physically, while they were living. So I would kind of put them in that category as well, which would also include like friends and things. And then we have the people that we don't know, right? We have the ancestors that we never had any in-person interactions while they were living, either because we just didn't know them or perhaps they lived and died long before we were born, um, things like that. So that's some examples of the kinds of people that you would venerate in ancestral veneration. Those are some of the reasons why we do it, right? Because these people came before us and it's important to have knowledge and respect for the ones that came before. Now to the common concern of like, but David, what if my ancestors were terrible people? What if they were slave owners or racists or homophobes or whatever? Um, my response to that is you are an autonomous person that can make your own choices. So if there is a person that you think is in conflict with your sense of morality and right and wrong, if they're not someone that you would have had a relationship with while they were living, you are not obligated to have a relationship with them now that they're dead. So those people do not need to be included. Um, if you have relatives that you experienced firsthand that you know were bad people, um, there's no reason for you to have, you know, an, an inclusion of them in your ancestor veneration. Um, with that being said, I think that it's important to keep in mind that ethics and morality are not fixed. They are very subjective and they change based on culture and time and place. So things that were acceptable in the past are not acceptable now in some ways. There are things I'm sure that we're doing now in our contemporary times that will be looked on by future generations as being wrong. So I think we need to allow some space for there to be nuance and then acknowledging that good and bad, right and wrong, are not things that apply in an absolute way to every person or every situation. My personal perspective is also that when we die and we are no longer attached to a physical body, that our soul has a greater awareness than it did while we were living, and that many of our shortcomings, 
um, or moral failures are not necessarily factors anymore after death because we have a greater awareness. Um, now, with that being said, I still think that, again, you are autonomous to yourself. You don't have to include anyone that you don't want to include. And I know for me, there are plenty of people in my family that I either knew about directly or I heard about that I do not think were good people. And I don't include them in my veneration of my ancestors. But there are some people that I knew had some bad opinions um, from my perspective while they were alive. But I've had experiences with them since they have passed that have shown me that they have grown and that the, that those harmful beliefs don't apply to them anymore. And I do happily include those people when I think there's good reason to. So if you're wondering how to get started, I'm going to give you some examples of how you can do it. Keep in mind that as with anything I say on this podcast, this is based on my perspective of things um, and how I was taught. So if you were taught something differently or if you prefer to do something differently, that is totally okay. This is not the only way to do this. This is just one way that you can do it. So to the people that have never done this before and don't know how to begin venerating their ancestors, what I usually recommend is get a space that's designated for this only. If you have an altar already, um, for you know a deity or spirit guides or just anything that you work at an altar for i think that can also be an ancestral altar it doesn't have to be a separate place necessarily uh, if you have the resources in the space to have a separate altar only for ancestors that's great i know that's not necessarily a practical option for everyone because of time or money or space um, for me personally i have one kind of really big altar that has tiers to it and different um tiers are kind of designated to different spirits so I have a, a kind of a section, you could say, of an altar that's designated to um, the dead. But you wanna get this space. You want it to be flat and sturdy enough to hold some things. It doesn't need to be like, you know, incredibly sturdy, but you want it to be able to hold up, you know, a few items without the risk of like falling over or being damaged. And the first thing you wanna do is clean it. And I don't mean spiritual cleansing. I mean, literally just physically clean it because in the same way that you wouldn't want to invite a living guest into a dirty place, you don't want to invite a spiritual guest into a dirty place either. And that's just good spiritual etiquette with ancestors, with any other kind of spirit, with deities, anything. That's just basic respect. You want to invite them into a space that is clean. So for me, I just do the mundane cleaning first. I'm using regular you know, household cleaning products to clean the space. I'm dusting, I'm sanitizing, I'm making sure there's no debris, I'm making sure that it is sterilized, not dirty or unhygienic, it's free from dust, um, there's no spills or stains on it within reason, and that doesn't mean that you have to have like a perfect looking piece of furniture, it's okay, you know, if you have what you have, it's broken or older, that's fine, um, but you want to get it clean and in presentable condition as much as you can that is reasonable. Um, after that, you do want to spiritually clean it. You want to cleanse it energetically. So what I like to do personally is I will get, um, a washcloth or like a rag that I will add some warm water to, and then I will add a little bit of Florida water and wipe down my surface with that. So it's kind of a double whammy because it is practically just sterilizing, but also it's spiritually cleansing. Um, but whatever method of cleansing you prefer is totally fine. Um, I've talked about cleansing a lot on this show, 
So I'm not really going to elaborate on that a whole lot, but if you haven't listened to the episode about cleansing, um, I will include the link to it in the episode's description so that you can check that out if you haven't. But physically clean and spiritually cleanse, and then you want to invite your ancestors to the space. So you can say this internally, you know, um, in your inner voice, if you wanna speak out loud, you can, which is what I prefer to do. And you want to invite ancestors that are good, because that's what we talked about earlier too, of like people that don't align with your morals or values. So you want to call in only ancestors that align with your values. So you can list names specifically. Um, something along the lines of like, I call out to my ancestors of blood, of spirit, and of choice, of the greatest good and the greatest love, both known and unknown to me. And then if you know their names, you can specifically list their names here. And then you can include, and to those whose names I do not know, um, if you have love and goodness for me, then I invite you to this place to receive honor. Something like that. And like most other spirit relationships, we want it to be reciprocal. We want it to be a cycle of give and take. We give so that the spirits may give to us, so that we may give to them again. So as far as offerings, if you don't know where to begin, what I always suggest is just offering them a clean glass of water and a simple white candle. Even a tea light is fine. Um, light is a beacon to them so they can come to you. Water is basically a universal offering. Just keep in mind that, again, we're being respectful here. So make sure that whatever drinking vessel that you have for the water is clean, that it's something that you would feel comfortable drinking out of yourself. You don't wanna offer them like a dirty glass that's used by you. You don't wanna physically drink out of it. You wanna make sure it's set aside only for them um, and that it doesn't have anything gross in it. And then accept that. That's the offering that you give them. You give them water and a candle from there if they are people that you knew while they were living and you know the specifics of things that they enjoyed, you can include those things. Um, I like to give my mother coffee that she enjoyed while she was alive. Um, there are certain pastries that my grandfather liked that I'll give him. Uh, there are certain kinds of jewelry or things that I'll bring them if I know that they liked them. For the sake of simplicity and not taking up too much space, that's not really things that I do very often and also because that can get expensive. So um, I think what I prefer to do and what I recommend is offering a glass of clean water and a candle. And that's just the standard everyday offering to all of the ancestors in general. If I want to honor a specific person on a notable day, perhaps their birthday or a day that they died, I will then maybe give an item that's specific to them and it will stay on the altar for that one day and then be removed. And that's just so it's not being cluttered and taking up a lot of space. And also because that's a nice way you can honor them in an extra way on significant occasions without spending a lot of money by doing that all the time. Um, people have asked me how often offerings should be left out before they're changed. I want you to keep in mind food safety is important. You don't wanna leave perishable things just out where they can um, expire and attract bacteria and insects and things because for one thing, that's not respectful to the spirit that they have, you know, a crusty, gross plate or dish. Um, and also that's just not good. You don't want that in your house either. That's not healthy. So what I like to do is I change out their glass of clean water once a day. It's the first thing I do every morning. Their water from the day before is um, dumped. 
and I clean out the glass I use to make sure it's clean and sterile and then they get fresh clean water every day. It's the first thing I do in the morning. That way there's no opportunity for the water to become stagnant and unhealthy. That way it's not going to get moldy. It's not going to attract um, bacteria or bugs or anything like that. And it's also just a sign of that respect. I'm showing them like, I'm doing this for you every day. I'm being mindful of you every day. And another important point to consider, because I know that in spiritual spaces, especially kind of witchy or occult spaces, we talk about the gods a lot. And you guys know me, I'm a pagan and a polytheist. I believe in many, many gods. I have relationships with several deities, but sometimes we jump the gun and we overlook things because ancestors care about you specifically. And that's not to say that the gods don't, because of course they do, but gods are huge. Gods are so much more than us. They're so much older and more complicated than us. They have other responsibilities. You have gods that are managing the entire universe and really important aspects of life and nature. So while they absolutely can and do hear us and care about us and bring us things that we want and need, the ancestors, their entire most important focus is you. If they're people that knew and loved you while you were alive, or if they're, you know, if you're descended from them in some way, they care about you directly. They have a personal investment in your success in life. Because for one thing, they love us. The love that people have for us in life does not end in death. It's still present. It still affects us. It's still powerful. But also, we are their legacy. They have a personal investment and us doing well, because when we succeed, they succeed, and their legacy continues and moves on. So sometimes you can get quicker, more immediate, more helpful results from ancestral work than you can from petitioning a deity or other kind of spirit. And again, not saying that other things don't work or that they're not important, but this is just to say, don't ignore the people that are more directly involved in your life. And ancestral work is a way to get those results. And also, it's a respect thing. It's about paying homage to the ones that have gone before in the same way that we would want to be remembered when we die. So start with that basic offering, clean water and a candle. Um, if you know specific things about the people, you can include those specific things to your discretion. Again, I only do that on special occasions for the sake of practicality and to keep costs low. Um, If they are spirits that you don't know, um, let's say that it's an ancestor that lived, you know, way, way before we were born, right? Because our ancestral line goes back pretty much indefinitely, at least as far as we can fathom that. So with the exception of the handful of people that are closer to your particular twig of the family tree that you knew while they were alive, you're probably not going to know a lot of personal information about the vast majority of these ancestors. So if you can, research, look into your family history. If you have grandparents or if you're blessed enough to have great grandparents that are living, find out what you can and value that time with them while they're still alive. Because the more we have intentional, positive relationships with our family while they're still here, the easier it is to carry that over to the other side of things when their time eventually comes, as all of our times come. So this is where I'm going to kind of segue into 
the divine and deity because I know that I'm kind of trying to steer away from that, but I think that these things have a lot of nuance and they interact with each other a lot and we can't completely separate them from each other. Um, so from my perspective, there is the belief that we die and then after we are no longer attached to a physical body, our soul has a greater awareness of itself and of the divine and of the universe. And that's why I think what we would call moral feelings or shortcomings of people that we're aware of while they were physically living do not always apply to them after death because they have this greater awareness. And if they were prejudiced or discriminatory, um, you know, if they were racist or homophobic or transphobic or misogynistic or whatever, what have you, I think that those things are kind of shed away pretty quickly for the most part because there's just an eye opening to how limiting and how narrow those things were while we were living. And for me, I believe that the soul is greater than just its experience of one lifetime. I believe that we've all lived many lifetimes and that after death, our soul has an awareness of all the lifetimes that it has lived. So you are not just a drop in the ocean where there's like no distinctiveness. I think that we retain our individuality and we retain our memories of our life but also of all of our lives. And we are kind of part of a larger whole, but we are still ourselves. So even if it's someone that maybe didn't have the best beliefs and values and they were alive, I think that that's subject to change. But again, use your discretion and be mindful of your own comfort levels. And even with that in mind, if you decide that you'd rather not include someone, you don't have to. And there's no judgment for me there because there are some people that I still don't include because I'm not comfortable with it. Now where the divine comes in for me is because I believe that through the power of the gods, those of us that choose to reincarnate can do so. And I think that we do that to our betterment because through successive lifetimes, we kind of learn more and grow until eventually we become, uh, we become transformed into kind of a fuller, better, like more divine version of ourselves. We eventually no longer need to incarnate in a physical body. Um, I think those of us that perhaps don't want to do those things, we can rest with the gods and our loved ones that have gone before us and spend time there indefinitely. And then if we decide to come back later, we can. And if you do not want to, you don't have to. And again, this is just what I think. If you don't think that, that's totally fine. Um, this is kind of based on different teachings that were passed to me, the traditions that I participate in, as well as just my personal experiences as a medium who speaks with the dead. And this is kind of what the afterlife seems to be like, as far as I understand it. Um, so even though we're talking about ancestral spirits and not deities, there are deities that are associated with death. And I think that as we call people that are from our dead, um, it's important to have a good relationship with the gods of death as well in a way that's relevant for you. Um, for me, that looks like Santa Muerte, as well as some other deities of traditions I'm part of that have to do with death and the afterlife. And part of this work with ancestors is elevating them because it's not only for our betterment, it's for the betterment of the ancestors as well, because as they assist us in our lives from the other side of the veil, so to speak, they learn more and they become better and they become more perfected. So I like to include devotions to certain gods of death in tandem with my ancestor worship because it's acknowledging 
one day I will be among the dead too. One day I'm going to be in your care and I want to have a good relationship with you now. And that way, when my time comes, I will greet death as an old friend. Um, and that brings me a great deal of peace and comfort in knowing that there is that relationship there. Um, in, in one version uh, of the charge of the goddess, which is, uh, this particular version is attributed to Doreen Valiente. She's, she's speaking, the goddess is speaking and she's talking about the afterlife and the need for death. And she says the words that are really comforting to me personally. It says, on earth I give certainty, not faith, woman life. And upon death, I give peace unutterable, rest, ecstasy, and reunion with those that have gone before. So having the relationship with the divine, uh, the goddess in this case, for my example, is important because there's comfort in knowing that she is caring for my loved ones that have gone before me and that they are with her and that they are cared for and that they want for nothing, that her realm is paradise for that everything that they have, they need, and that they're enjoying her and enjoying other people that they know and love and that one day I'll be among them. So focusing our intentions on working with ancestors and making peace with our own and uh, with our own mortality makes us enjoy life more because we know that it's not forever. But we do know that we are forever. Life is temporary. It passes quickly and it's impermanent, but the soul is eternal, like the gods are eternal. So by intentionally cultivating positive relationships here and now with the dead and with the gods of death, I can then enter death in my own time as we all can and be in a place of rest and peace and reunion with the gods that we love and with our loved ones that have gone before us. So that was kind of a lot of information, but as we're coming up on the end of our time, I'm going to quickly, quickly recap. So ancestor veneration is important because it acknowledges, pays respect to those that have come before us, where we come from, and because it seeks to elevate those spirits. We honor our ancestors because they have personal investments in the success of our life because we are their legacy. So they have direct motivation to impact our lives in a direct way, perhaps more direct than other types of spirits or deities. For offerings, it can vary a lot. Like I said, I think a glass of clean water and a candle is a perfect way to start. If you want to incorporate more elaborate things, you can as you find out more. I like to give specific offerings of food and drink catered to people's preferences on significant days, like their days of birth and death. Aside from those things, I think a greater awareness of our role in the universe and with the divine could be achieved by making uh, offerings and making peaceful, good, happy relationships with our ancestors and with the gods of death. So. That is all I have for you right now. I hope you guys enjoy learning about ancestor work and I will talk to you next time.